Bomberman is a robot engaged in the production of bombs. Like his fellow robots, he had been put to work in an underground compound at the center of the Earth. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. I'm Joe. And I'm Sam. Full house for the very first episode of 1989, which I believe was also the first year that uh, the show Full House came out. Oh, was wow. 1989. So we have a full house. There's a full house sitcom. We're doing great. I've got a full house as a hand of cards. Does that mean we'll get a licensed NES Full House game? You have to wait for Full House Tournament Fighter on Super Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) He had that all set up. Uh, Yeah, Joe and I worked that through. No, actually, years ago we talked about YouTube. Yeah, like YouTube for Full House Tournament Fighter, and you can watch like Uncle Jesse actually lay out some good moves on Uncle Joey. Nice. Uh, He's not not Uncle Joey, Mike. He's just Joey. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I knew something was weird about that. I was like, they never, you know, they also called him that woodchuck, right? Isn't he like, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Wood. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. A couple of people watched Full House, heard it was a pretty successful show, but we're not talking about Full House or Full House Tournament Fighter. We're talking about Bomberman. Guys, is Bomberman an IP? Forget about the games for a second. Is Bomberman an IP you associate with the upper echelons of gaming. Is he as familiar as Mario, Pikachu, Sonic, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, Master Chief, Lara Croft? Like, is he up there with these people? All right, so I think what, with with who you just listed, that's a combination of A-list and B-list uh, icons. This, like, Bomberman is definitely, like, on that cusp between, like, B-minus, C-plus. It's definitely more of a C-list gaming icon. I put Bomberman in the same tier as Tails from Sonic. Okay, I get yeah. that. I could see that. I would think though that if like like Tails is up there with Sonic, right? Like if Sonic's up there, then Tails is too. Yeah, but I, if Sonic I mean, wasn't part of it, if it was just Tails, I think that's where okay, Bomberman gotcha. would be. <laughs> if we set them all out on a line, I think that Bomberman would be below Crash Bandicoot, but above Knack. Okay, and Joe is is Crash Bandicoot an A list or uh, a B list? It's a B list. Well, let me let me tell you, you're talking to a very biased Crash Bandicoot giant Crash Bandicoot fan. So I'm gonna say A list, but I'm, not, I'm sure not everyone will agree with me, judging by <laughs> Sean's whisper a second ago. <laughs> I would say Lara Croft being listed was also a little strange, right? Like that's that's C plus as well. Here, like that's here's where the, I associate. Uh, that's Bomberman. B minus. Here's yeah. the thing, though, is everyone that you mentioned, if we're just talking our, like our own personal experience, everyone that you mentioned, I knew something about Bomberman. I just knew the name Bomberman. I, I didn't really know anything about it. That's I knew true. that he had bombs. So very... that puts him a little lower. Yeah. I think my only experience with Bomberman before this is from Smash Bros. as an assist trophy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just for the most recent game, though, right? Just for any kind of Bomberman experience, I think. No, no, I'm saying, like, I only think Bomberman was recently an assist trophy. Oh, right? yeah. Like, he wasn't on the Wii U one. No, I don't think so. Okay, that's interesting. Guys, I grew up on Bomberman, um, so I'm a little surprised to hear this, but I could understand why, you know, I ask this as, like, a trick question, because I think Bomberman is, like, a big deal in Japan, 
and not a big deal out here in the West. And I'm not quite sure why that is, but you'll see later on when we get into the sequels and spinoff section, I think it's going to have to be its own show. Like, technically, Bomberman is probably, like, Hudson's biggest, Hudson Soft's, their their biggest character by far, just by looking at, like, the the list of games that this guy has and, like, the amount of media support and all these other offshoots of, of it. It's like, this is, this is like a, a big franchise for them. I'm very surprised. No, for sure. Uh, I, I'm also just going to say that I've never played a Bomberman game in my life either, but I have, I had always heard of him and I, it, it looked interesting enough. So cool. So Bomberman is a robot, might be a man, unlike decided on that. It's a, the manual kind of tells us that like he was a boy or he's trying to become a boy. It's like a Pinocchio story there. Uh, but he's a robot who, as we mentioned on the back of the box, is uh, stuck in the underground compound of the center of the earth. And he needs to find his way through a maze while avoiding different enemies and ultimately killing those enemies uh, as he uses his bombs in a uh, top-down fashion to destroy uh, bricks and enemies and uh, bust down doors and find power-ups to continue to advance on from stage one all the way to, I believe it goes to stage 50. Uh, As I mentioned, the game is played top-down, and bombs explode in a four-way cross direction at all times. Anybody uh, think that I didn't do the whole video game justice there? Those are uh, definitely mention, the way that you play the game, yeah. Well, did you mention that uh, that you evolve from le- level to level, and by the end of the game, you're you're a very different uh, move set than the beginning of the game, move set ability set uh, than the beginning. I think because that's, of that's the power ups, because of the power ups, which yeah, are game changing. I guess technically you don't need to get the power ups, but if you do, it 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 evolves the gameplay over time. No, I think that's a good point because we should probably start talking about this game at the most basic form. Like, forget the power-ups. When you first start this game, you're this little guy in a maze that looks not like a maze at all. It's just a a green background with a bunch of tiles placed around and some balloon enemies floating. And you have to lay out one bomb at a time. You don't have any more supply than that. And your, your explosion of your bomb is uh is only the adjacent four tiles in a cross direction. So um as you collect power-ups, obviously that expands. But how did you guys feel about the initial uh the initial power of Bomberman and also just like the feel of the game? Yeah. Uh that like our our my specific non experience with this game in the past uh made me think that like oh this must be what old bomberman feels like like cuz i i see i've seen like footage of the more modern games and like it's kind of chaotic and uh it looks a lot more fun than this was this was kind of like pulling teeth uh and uh, just because like you don't get to you don't get to choose when they explode you can only blow up one at a time as you said and it's it's so weak 
but I, I did not realize that it was just sort of like setting the foundation to make you feel a bit more powerful down the line, but I'm sure we'll get into that. No, I have these images of what Bomberman is in my head of these giant explosions that take that travel really long distances in four directions. And I feel like when it just kind of, you know, popped on screen instead of exploding, it was very underwhelming. But that the sound of the explosion was really sick. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely felt that, too. Like, this is the the best explosion sound uh, of the NES so far. Mm-hmm. The best of 89. Similar experience, too, but I thought, just based on the look of the game, I kind of unfairly was like, well, based on the look and the first level, I was kind of unfairly like, well, this feels like a lot of the other arcade-style games that we've had. It's probably going to be very shallow and not get much more complicated than this. Um, and it did, to an extent, prove me wrong, but, it, you know, at the, at the beginning it kind of made me think I wasn't going to be that into it in, in the future levels. It's surprising how slow the game starts off, because I, I would argue that that's fine if this is your first ever time playing Bomberman, but even you guys have, like, an idea of of chaos in, in Bomberman games, where there's usually, like, a bunch of different players, enemies are all over the place, and they do fun things, too, it's a little strange when the enemies that you're fighting just kind of move in, like, random directions, could care less about where you necessarily are in the stage, and when you have to kind of wait for all progress to happen based on, like, this five-second delay between when you place a bomb and when it explodes. Keep in mind, of course, that since we're describing these top-down levels as mazes, it's not so much a maze because you can always destroy the blocks in your path. But there are a lot of blocks in your path. So if we're talking lay down a bomb, five seconds to explode, open up a, you know, a new direction, you have to do that a lot in a particular level. And it's not, it's not that uh, they don't give you enough time to do that or anything or that the levels themselves are too large. It's a very tedious task to yeah. ask a, a, of, a, of a player who's just starting out in the game. It's not very rewarding at first. Would you disagree? Uh, yeah, I would, because th- I was going to say, because uh, I fully agree with you, that this was super risky. If like if they knew what this game was going to be like in the late game, or after you've sort of learned the ropes and you pick up some power-ups, but you choose to show this as like how you're going to play the game, and like as a person that may not have been exposed to Bomberman before... Uh, like thinking that this might be how the game is played the entire time, it it's just super risky to sh- sort of like uh, put your most boring foot forward. <laughs> I don't know though. I feel like it might just feel more risky to us from the lens of of today. But if you think about it, like back then, it it wasn't like today where it's like oh, you pick up a game or you you I don't know you you try a game, you demo a game, or just you have access to all these games and then you're like oh, I don't like it, I'm gonna try something else. Back then, it was just like, well, you play this game right, at first levels, but you gave it a lot more of a chance, I feel like, in the 80s, because it, it was the only game you had, or you only had a few games. So like, I feel like even the first level being boring, I feel like with less of a risk that like they're going to lose their... People are going to just immediately put the game down over like the reward of like having that boredom turn into like uh, people noticing like how different... Sure, uh, you know, like say say those first uh, two to three levels where you're collecting. I think because I really think you can only get one power up a stage. Is, am, am I right? Like, 
Uh, feel, sounds about right. I feel like maybe you could get two, but it, you know, pretend that those first three stages where you're just kind of slowly gaining power ups. Um, think of those as the tutorial stages, right? I think that maybe is what Joe is getting at. I would argue that those stages then don't no- need to be so large, though, and so empty yeah. in the, in their design. Uh, they could have been smaller things that teach you about like. Okay, well, remember, if you plant a bomb, like, you, you gotta have another corner or out point to go to, otherwise you've kind of trapped yourself in your explosions. Or, you know, these enemies go in a particular direction, so make sure you don't explode every brick around them, because then they'll just be free to roam, and it's gonna be a lot harder to destroy them. Like, that's the kind of tutorial I would have liked to have seen. Instead, you get the full game with not a lot happening. Well, for the record, yeah. that sense, Joe? Uh, well, yeah, I I agree with what 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 both of you are saying about this level. Like, sh- this level could be a lot better, and it could be more exciting and more interesting. I just don't think that it was necessarily much of a risk to them in the perspective of 1989, because it's not like I I don't feel like a lot of people would play the first level and be like, okay, I'm out back then, like they would today. Absolutely, sure, sure, because you just bought the game, you just paid full price for it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that, but I, I get what you're saying. But like, even something that has a more, uh, a, a more standard like not difficulty curve, but uh, a curve of how complex the game can be. Uh, like if we're talking about Mario, if we're talking about Contra, like, well, you're going to be doing the same things and uh, across the entire course of you playing those games like jumping in mario is fun regardless of when you're jumping what level you're jumping in shooting in contra is fun regardless of what level you're in whereas planting bombs and waiting for them to explode and then once you somehow kill all the guys in the map then like just sort of combing through every other uh every other little pixel to see which one has the hidden door is not all that fun so I, I think it's a little different, like that it is kind of riskier if and it may have like it definitely would have been helped by a more modern take and tutorialization that just hadn't been that hadn't been invented yet, really. Uh, so I, I still think that it was a this was an interesting way to go. Yeah, I mean, I, I see that, too. But I do also think that some of the some of the things that you're saying are are not fun in this first level are also not particularly fun in later levels, like combing through. Even, no matter what your power-ups are, once you've killed all the enemies on the screen, combing through every brick, I think, is maybe, at least in my opinion, just a flaw in the game overall. Sure. I, I, I'll grant you that. So let, let's talk about the main power-ups here. You, you, for the most part, you're collecting uh, additional bombs that you can drop, so that you can drop multiple bombs at a time. And uh, there's like a fire power up too that just increases the range of your explosion so that instead of one tile in each direction it can go two three even four tiles in a particular direction and that really helps speed up the gameplay and add um and add a lot of strategy to it too because now you have to be aware of where your bombs are where you are and where the like points of exits and enemies are because I would argue that when you have a one-by-one uh, tile, you know, cross-directional explosion, that it's really easy to dodge that. And most of the time, you're just going to get either, like, 
you're going to put yourself in a bad planting position where you accidentally planted it and trapped yourself in a place, or you trapped yourself uh, with an enemy on the other side so you can't escape either the explosion or the enemy. Later on, all of a sudden, you're actually your own worst enemy in this game. I would argue that you're way too powerful for the (laughs) enemies in the game, but you're now the threat. Yeah, it kind of becomes a puzzle game a little bit as the more you play. Oh, it's definitely a puzzle game throughout. Yeah. It's just uh, the the puzzles kind of change. Yeah, yeah. I'd even say that like at some point the 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 way that you become stronger did this weird thing where for a little while it made oh the puzzles are a little more interesting now because now I have to think about it this way and then after a while it was like okay well now the puzzles are a lot easier like it made the difficulty curve like not like continually increase. I feel like there's a period of time you know there's one point where you eventually just have the ability to detonate the bombs whenever you want whenever you want rather um so you place it and you don't have to really worry about where you placed it because you can almost always find somewhere that's safe you have all the time in the world to get there because you detonate it at your own time so i I feel like not that it was necessarily made it like pointless it was actually kind of cool to suddenly at first to suddenly have a an advantage where you didn't before but it it did mess a little bit with the difficulty curve of of the chi- of the puzzles, yeah, it's sort of like uh, there's a, there's like a tediousness meter and a difficulty meter, and whenever like as the difficulty goes up, the tediousness goes down because you're sort of giving more and more, uh, you're getting into more and more chaotic situations. Uh, so, so like I I still, but like the the fun continues to go up in in that situation. I don't know if I'm making any sense there. Um, yeah, no, I, I get I, it. I, I see yeah. what you're saying. I, I think there's just something to the satisfaction of seeing your growth in this game, which is like For very sure. clear. Yeah, and it's uh, also interesting because so did you get uh, the power up to make the explosions bigger before you got the power up to time your explosions yourself? I got one of the yeah one of the power ups to make your explosions bigger first, and then I think I got the time one before I got the next bigger power up. I don't remember exactly. So that, the order, that's interesting because I I didn't find uh, my first like make it bigger power up until like I was able to plant like five bombs at a time and I could set it off at my own pace and I was like a little bit faster. Um, so I also think that like the fact that the order in which you get the power-ups can make your experience that much more different as well. Yeah, that's int- I had no idea that that was the case. That it, that would actually totally change the game in some instances. Mm-hmm. Well, Sean, it sounds like your strategy wasn't necessarily to bomb every single block before you uh, entered the door to go to the next stage. Would I, would I be correct in that assessment? You'd be correct. I did not think I was supposed to. I don't think you should have to, but theoretically, that is the best way to get all the power-ups is by bombing every single block, and granted, you're going to blow up probably 50-plus blocks and get two power-ups in exchange, but your uh, scenario where you have the control of five different bombs that you can detonate whenever you want, but they only do one-by-one tile uh, cross-directions sounds like a nightmare to me. Like, Yeah, it's not... It didn't seem uh, the... the the most optimal way to do it at because I like at that point I did go back and play it and I did eventually uh, get the ones that made them bigger. Uh, but when I watched the video of somebody that was on the same level as me, I think I was on like level 15 at the time uh, and how they were playing. It was just like, this is insane. 
Uh, and so when I, I, as I played a little bit longer, I was finally able to find those power-ups and uh, kind of get to that level. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, because there are other things going against you, like the timer that will make it, make the, um, make a bunch of extra enemies spawn. Like, I'm not gonna clear an entire level if I have that risk, so, uh, the, yeah, it's, it's entirely possible that a lot of people wouldn't have found all those power-ups to begin with anyway. So can you guys confirm something for me then? Is there... I just assumed, based on my experience, that there's only one power-up per level. So I played it like I would bomb every single block until I found the power-up and the door, and then I would think, okay, that's everything I need to find, and I would move on. So I kind of found like a little happy medium with having to bomb every block and not hopefully not missing power-ups, unless there are times where there's more than one power-up in a level. I'm only going off of what I remember, and I feel like I would have... I feel like I remember getting possibly two at max per per stage, but it's very possible that um, you know it's just being a blur to me now, and and that I'm thinking of later Bomberman games, which just give out power ups like crazy because it's to add to the chaos. So I can't say for certain that this game gives you two per stage or something like that, but it's definitely not more than two. So it's either one or two. Gotcha. You know what's uh, what's funny is the the controlling the bombs right. That's like a different kind of power up though, right? Like the rollerblades let you move a little faster, the explosions can become bigger, the amount of bombs you can drop, uh you can have more of those. But being able to control them is like an actual new element to the gameplay. And what's surprising there is in a game like this, it's actually like a little too overpowered but still really fun and can cause you to to put yourself in um, in a hole where you can't escape and you have to detonate on yourself. So there is there is a balance to it, but I think like the the fact that like the bombs are on their own timer that doesn't necessarily like count down on screen. There was something more exciting about that when you have more of them because you kind of have to think about your placement rather than knowing that you're safe with your controlled detonations. That I wish the controlled detonations were actually more puzzle based and just part of the game if they wanted to go that route. I would have appreciated if you had to detonate things in a certain order to release a certain enemy in a, in a specific direction or, or the way that enemies go, you need to trap them in using your controlled explosions. Like It feels like that was a missed element here, and instead the controlled explosions are just a really powerful, uh, different way to play this game that could be fun for any kind of player, but kind of brings down the challenge of the overall game. Yeah, I mean, I'd actually say that that I think that that applies to all the power-ups. Like I I feel like the game design could have benefited from like being modeled around the power-ups. Like there it, once you get like you said you get the detonation, there should be a puzzle element that has to do with that requires you to use that in in some way you couldn't before or even like the the blast radius when you're making those crosses or or how you can put two bombs that will detonate each other. Like, there should be reasons to use that stuff other than, like, feeling badass and feeling cool. There should be, like, I don't know. I I wanted there to be something a little more cognitive that you have to think about your placement as the levels went on, but it it never really evolved in that direction. Yeah, my earlier levels sort of ended up kind of being like that because I didn't have the luxury of having um, more than one box per explosion. 
So it ended up kind of being like, okay, now I've got this power-up that allows me to pull the trigger myself. Uh, so I see that this enemy is sort of trapped right now, so I'm going to set two bombs. Uh, one is going to open up the uh, the wall that's keeping that enemy boxed in, and then the second one I will I will trigger later so that it gets blown up by that as it starts to come out. So I ended up like kind of using that as as a puzzle solving thing, but it only really mattered because I didn't have that other power up. So uh, it's kind of sandboxy in that way. Like you're not going to get anything that's designed to be this puzzle solving tool, but you can get you can still get creative with these things, which I think is more important than like sort of a um, a handcrafted puzzle. What what it came down to for me too is this doesn't have to be a puzzle game in that respect where uh you know you're actually having to think about where you place your bombs in order to trap enemies. It didn't have to be that kind of level of game. Like it is it is just supposed to be a game where you blow stuff up and have fun doing that. So I I respect that they didn't go puzzle route, but I think the worst game design decision they had was that enemies don't necessarily have patterns and i understand that like certain enemies are a little tougher than others and certain enemies behave differently than others but there needed to be something where like for instance those balloon enemies right i think they're the first ones you see in the whole game they needed to just be an enemy that goes side to side you know left to right and you learn based off of that that like okay i don't want to go in their hole because then i'll just get caught in their corner but I'm, I can bomb them and I can time my bomb based on like them coming in this particular direction. Instead, the game handles everybody as a free thinking, but without thought, really roaming character that doesn't like sometimes it feels like they know about your bombs. Sometimes it feels like they know where you are. But as far as I'm concerned, the whole thing in terms of enemies is just completely random. And more often than not, they could just run into your explosions by accident. They they are actually always walking in the direction of your bombs if you're placing them smart. They don't know where these bombs are in relation to you. And I think patterns would have helped something like that if you had guys who went in circles and got and like later on with the ghosts, like if they had like, you know, because they can go through the different blocks, if they had a recognizable pattern so that you could think about where you're going to place your bombs rather than just being in this awkward situation later on when there's only like a few enemies left where you're kind of like chasing them around the screen and only ever like getting kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to place one here and I have another one, so I'll place this here and then I trap them. And that's great, but there's also times where trapping them isn't an option because you've destroyed every single block and now they're just roaming around this stage randomly and you just kind of have to hope that one of your explosions is lucky enough to hit them. They introduce such a wide variety of enemy aesthetically but for the most part like most of them all do the same thing so like it it tricks you into thinking like oh there's a enemy variety but they're all kind of the same well well i'd say that yeah they they definitely don't have patterns but they i think that they do have tendencies like i remember like the the barrels uh they move a little bit faster but they stick to a left right thing or or an up down thing depending on where uh, like whatever their initial state was, like they they are much less likely to veer off of a, a one axis path. But I think that's okay. I mean, I I think that if you 
just have this grid and all the enemies have very predictable behaviors you're just sort of optimizing like your your um your playthrough will be like how optimally can i do this instead of like how how can i how how can i like sort of crowd control this which is uh, also a valid way to play uh, to to play the game or to design the game so i don't think it it needed to be this cut and dry pattern thing yeah, I guess now that I'm looking at it, I'm actually watching right now. Yeah, there are some that that go left and right. Um, yeah, that just wasn't as noticeable to me. I still agree with Mike, though. I I feel like having very a lot more specific patterns would have helped this game. Just help the levels feel. I don't know, like a little bit more. It would help the levels. They would have been tighter because yeah. you would have had a. Um... You would have had a, a path in mind. Yeah, and, yeah that's and it. You have like instance, a plan of action. I, right. I'm not arguing that uh, they should all act like Koopa Troopas, right? Like that that would be a really boring Super Mario Brothers game if you ever only went up against Koopa Troopas. But every enemy in a Mario Brothers game is, is you know, somewhat designed to do a particular pattern. Uh, you know, I, I think like the Hammer Brothers are a good example of something where it feels really random and you kind of have to think about when are they going to jump? When are they going to throw hammers? Like, when are they going to do these things? I guess I'm showing how bad of a game designer I would be if the only thing I can think about is, like, movement patterns. But I'm sure there's other things they could have done, too, for these enemies to differentiate them on a level that would um, that would make them more interesting than just uh, that these guys float around the screen and you just have to make sure you bomb them. Well, so for example, when I first saw the barrel enemies, my 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 first thought was, oh, th- that must be like a barrel of gunpowder or something. And when I place a bomb, they're gonna attack my blow up my bomb immediately or something. This is something else I would have to think about. Like, okay, don't place a bomb too close to the barrel guy because he'll blow up all my bombs or something. I don't know. It doesn't really make sense when I think about it. But that kind of uh, that kind of thing that I would have to think about would would make the game feel take longer to get stale. No, I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Like the that that is another element uh, that uh, like if it if felt if maybe it just like actually just made your explosion bigger, and then that way it could it could reach you accidentally. I get that. Uh, right. I sort of had that in, intuition as well. Yeah. Rather than like right now, it's still just. Granted, there might be like little different ways of figuring out how to get people, like how to get each enemy, depending on w- which direction they're moving. But it's still always. Just bomb all the enemies. <laughs> like I know that's the name of the game, but like I feel like I don't know, there could be another level. I, I I've got one more uh one more example of something I I was thinking of. It might kind of go back to what we were talking about before with the power ups, but Sean, you mentioned you uh were doing something that was you were almost like creating a little bit of a puzzle for yourself that wasn't like in the game design. And I was kind of doing something similar where when I had a, a like a very large blast radius I would try and put bombs at the edge of another bomb's blast radius in a way where I can get if where I could fill the whole board as much as I can get as many enemies across the whole board with one explosion without having to detonate more than once. Didn't really make a difference because I could have if I didn't have them like that I could have just detonated them all one after another and still gotten that same range. But it was just fun to me to do it that way, and I kind of wished that the game would have rewarded me for some way in doing that. Maybe it, it the points stack on each other or just some incentive to do something different than just place bombs and blow them up until you kill everything 
I, I guess. I mean, I it also like if you frame it not so much as like solving a puzzle or solving something that the game is laying out in front of you, but like a, a more proactive way of thinking of like, oh, I'm laying a trap. Uh, that's sort of wh- how I was looking at it, um, and I think that like that that was sort of my reward was knowing that I laid this successful trap. I know that that's that's like a very uh, wishy-washy way to to argue your point, but um, I, I really don't know what else could have been more of a of an incentive. Yeah, I mean, look, I see, I see what you're saying too, and I, I don't, I think that we're both. I mean, I agree with both of us, if that makes sense. Like, I, I do yeah. think there's definitely something to that, like validation you have just from the satisfaction of, of, of figuring out a cool way of doing it. Um, I, I think one way of making of incentivizing you which maybe wouldn't really work for the people on this podcast i think we've all gone on record saying we don't care about points in games like this but if but if you just made made it so okay every you know this is worth a thousand points but if you stack it with another one now it multiplies by three or something you know every time you every time you every time you kill multiple enemies at once the the points you get increase exponentially or just something to, yeah. to see no, like that a, would that would also visual yeah that's cause yeah I I do think that when Sean when you said crowd control that was like an eye opening thing for me though of like what is actually the most fun part of this game which we were kind of talking about earlier and we lost track of when we started getting pretty negative about the game but it is fun when you have like a lot of power and a lot of chaos on the screen in terms of like all these different enemies placing your bombs, keeping track of where they are. You know, I think, like, if the enemies were really difficult, uh, we might have argued that this game was, like, an NES hard game, where it's like, (laughs) oh, these enemies are, like, unfair now or something like that. So I could see that there's a line. I I do think at the end of the day, though, there is a point in this game where you just become like bomber god instead of bomber man and yeah. when you when you have the flame pass and the bomb pass which are two not even late game power ups they're just two power ups you can stumble across that allow you to walk over your own bombs but then also like dodge the explosions of those bombs regardless of where you are all of a sudden the whole game just becomes like dodge the enemies and when you can just lay out no, you know, I don't know what the limit is actually, but let's say like you can lay out five bombs and they can have huge explosions and you don't have to worry about where they are. You just have to make sure that they're hitting enemies. It's very hard to lose in yeah. that particular scenario. And that's where actually the game becomes too extreme in this, you know, like like it becomes it becomes a sense where it's like, OK, uh, I don't feel the challenge anymore. Well, okay. The challenge would be me just like taking off these power ups. One note that I wanted to make uh and it's sort of, I guess it's a little offbeat. The the experience that I likened this to the most of like a game I played recently would be like uh, Saints Row Four, where you're kind of you kind of exist in this simulated version of the previous Saints Row games. So you can like hack hack the simulation like you're in the Matrix, and you basically become like a superhero playing a GTA game and uh, it's so hard to die and everything dies so easily. Um, and you, you're just a superhero. So, but like that sort of that, that change from the beginning of the game where you're just sort of walking around uh, playing as like this, this very pedestrian version of a GTA clone 
to you know, the end of the game where you're this invincible god that just flicks at enemies and they explode. That was sort of the experience I got, but I had a lot of fun when I was playing that game in a very similar way that I was having a lot of fun as I played through Bomberman. So, like, yeah, you're overpowered, but it's such a goofy way to do it. I, I, I just found it entertaining. Yeah, your description reminds me of playing Crackdown, if you guys have played that. Crackdown as well, yeah. it's very similar. Yeah. Where in the beginning you're just like a guy, and then by the end of it you can jump 50 feet in the air and survive huge explosions. So Bomberman's like that, but he can't yeah. jump. But he can roller skate, which is pretty cool. <laughs> he can roller skate. Speaking of Bomberman's movement for a quick second, this was... This was a weird experience I had playing the game, and it's going to be hard for me to explain this because I've tried thinking about it several times now before we recorded the episode. Did you notice something about the size of Bomberman's sprite on the maze itself, right? The maze itself seems like it should just be tile. If you press the down button, you'll move to the next tile and so on and so forth, like, like a grid. But it doesn't really work like that. And there's actually like some some looseness between the hallways of Bomberman where like he can kind of round the corners of these squares, which is weird because technically they shouldn't have circular edges on these squares, but they do. It was very uncomfortable. And there was just something about like it caught me off guard a lot when I was placing bombs because I think that I'm placing them on a particular tile, but I'm not quite there. Yeah. I'm actually like a little off. And maybe this carries all the way back from Legend of Zelda, where that is actually uh, a game where you're very much on like a, a particular grid that you can move across. This game has like a, a looseness to it that felt very weird the whole time I was playing. I think it would have felt more weird if you were on a grid. Yeah, I think um, so. Because there's sort of like a timing uh effect that comes with that and in a timing based game like this i think that that would have made the game feel a lot more uh like you while you're calling looseness kind of weird i think that if you're stuck to this grid it would feel even worse interesting because i guess i'm i'm actually not saying that it's bad you know i'm saying it actually made me uneasy like there was a weird there was a mental break for me while playing this game because of it feeling like my movement was like slightly adrift or something you know like i wasn't i wasn't exactly in control of the character i was ever so slightly off and it's not true uh you are in control of the character at all times it just you know it was like a visual psych out for me maybe it's to help round corners like if you put if you put a bomb down and then need to quickly escape so you don't get stuck on a corner Maybe maybe that, yeah, that makes was part sense. of the yeah, intention. Yeah, if I think about like how I've played, uh, like how you play Zelda or like a uh, a classic RPG, like you 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 don't really have much of a like th- you can can you kind of imagine having that control scheme and playing a Bomberman like game where it's just like one block, one block, one block. Like there really isn't that much of a. Like you can't time that. Like it's just this. Uh, exactly. This tempo. I hear you. No. Yeah. I'm you're playing a-, a math game all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, you're you're trying to just like calculate the. It might as well have counted down your spaces. Then, like, okay, you are five spaces away from yeah. explosion. Or, four spaces away. Like, it I could get be that. like a a crypt of the necromancer kind of thing where it's a rhythm game. 
Oh, that's cool. Necrodancer. Necrodancer, yeah, yeah. Red Necrodancer. <laughs> Slightly <laughs> different game. Uh, yeah. I've only Sam ever played the Zelda it. one, so I just taught Cadence of Hyrule, mostly. Which is rad yeah. as well. So I probably should have done the development section first because this probably would have set the stage better for the kind of game that not only that we played, but that others can expect and maybe why it is the way it is. This is a, even though it's the first game of 1989 on the NES, this is a 1983 Japanese computer game uh, that was written in, uh, in basic uh for as like a tech demo for Hudson Soft back in like 1980 and then finally published in 83 um it it never really like went anywhere for a while and then it all of a sudden like exploded on personal computers and then they were like oh well the Famicom just came out so let's release it there and it did come out there eventually that Famicom port gets to the NES here in 1989 but the Famicom version was developed um by the head of R&D, Shinchichi uh, Nakamoto. And he says, he claims to at least, have completed the task of porting it to the Famicom all by himself in 72 hours. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I'm not a programmer, and I definitely wasn't a programmer in the 80s, but that uh, still sounds kind of outlandish to me. It's either like... Basic was very easy to translate to assembly, and this was a super simple game. Or uh, Nakamoto's uh, just a liar. I think he might be a liar. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the he was able to do it. Nakamoto also added in a 1995 interview that he personally believes that the Famicom version, of which he is solely responsible for, apparently, is the one and only version of the game. I, I would also find that hard to believe that this is the definitive version of the original Bomberman, considering that like it ran on personal computers, it ran on the MSX. Like, surely there's got to be a I better did, version. I did than read this. that on the Wikipedia page um, that that the NES version was the version, but I get. I mean, maybe it's one of those things where you don't realize how good the arcade version is until you finally see it. But I can't really see too many like. Uh, presentational improvements that this game can uh could could do. And I'm sorry, I feel like the only improvements that this game could have on other systems is presentational because, like, the core gameplay, like it, it, it performs pretty well. So I don't know. And that's ultimately what I'm going to get to here for a second. A, a bigger picture thing, if you will. This was a tech demo for Hudson Saw. Guy is named Bomber Man. He bombs uh bricks and destroys funny enemies why is this about to explode into like a you know gigantic franchise with many many games like would this first game would you really imagine this like taking off and being like well we've got to do more of just this though like we're not going to add too many more improvements it reminds me a lot of like load runner remember when we covered the load runner episode and it was like a bunch of sequels came out, but they were just like additional level packs for Load Runner, and it's like, did, was that really necessary? Like, didn't you get enough 
from like the 50 levels that that game had. Now you needed like another 99 level pack where you don't add any new mechanics really. You're just making more levels. That's ultimately what the first couple of Bomberman spinoffs are going to be, uh, sequels are going to be. So it's like, it's really strange that, I don't know, this is like such a weird character and game to get like a huge franchise. Imagine if, um, you know, Mylon's Secret Castle became like a big thing where like, oh, we got to make another Mylon's Secret Castle game. Like, let's just make that a whole franchise and Mylon will get a puzzle game and he'll get a platformer game and he'll get a 3D but game. I, and it's I, like... <laughs> my my assumption there though is, and I, I don't have a precise idea of like an answer to that, but but I will say that I I think maybe... I mean, we've been, I guess, moderately neutral on this game, but I think we've maybe leaned a little negative for what I thought I was going to talk about on this episode. I, I did think this was a pretty good game for, for how simple it is, um, and it was satisfying, and I did have fun, like, I did have fun with it, and I think it's at least enough that I that I can see it warranting one sequel, and then if that sequel suddenly does some things a lot better... Like, like I feel like that there's room for a for a much improved sequel, and I feel like people would want that. And then it's not like they were like, "Oh, Bomberman did great. Let's make a hundred other games." They were probably like, "Bomberman did great. Let's make one other game." And then that game does really well, and then the next game does even better. And then like I, I assume that like one of its sequels is even better. Like is even better in a way that they were like, "Oh my god, people are loving this now." <laughs> I, um, I guess in. To to respond to what you said, Mike, uh, about like okay, Mylon Secret Castle gets this and whatever the hell else I don't remember those. I, I didn't really. I don't think I enjoyed those games. I barely remember what Mylon Secret Castle even was. And the thing about Bomberman is that it is such a simple concept, but it is a systems based game. And this is like a term I throw around whenever I see one because it's such a like that is the philosophy of of game design that I think I subscribe most to that like it it evolves over time like one one experience is going to be a little different than the next uh I think that's what people liked I mean and it's got just like sort of that it like I that you can't really describe that Mylon Secret Castle most definitely does not have um I I don't I guess I really don't know uh, how else to I guess defend this defend this game. I don't know. I guess I'm not asking for defense. I'm just asking if anybody else is as surprised as I am that a character that just plants bombs and they uh, again a top down game and they just explode in directions and any bomberman in the mainline games, which is a lot of them, any game that you play is going to start off with the same limitations of, like, your bomb can only dis- be dis- uh, destroyed in a one-by-one cross-tile uh, pla- fashion, and you can only drop one at a time. Like, the fact that every single game starts like that, maybe I have a little bit of a bias here, because, and I am not saying this as a joke, I've been playing Bomberman games all day. <laughs> <laughs> in preparation for this episode, I I decided it's 1989, we got sequels and spinoffs. Let me try and actually tackle some of these other games so that I'm not just talking about them based on what I read. Let me play some of these games. And there came a point where I realized that this would be uh, a six to eight hour podcast if I talked about every Bomberman game. Yeah, don't do that, Mike. I, I had no idea. I had no idea that there was over 20 main Bomberman games 
that there are over 10 portable Bomberman games, that there is a Bomberman arcade uh, world also that like is sometimes known as Atomic Punk in the West and not Bomberman. Awesome. It is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, I had no idea that there were a whole line of Bomberman <laughs> mobile games like Bomberman Play IQ, which I can only imagine is like an IQ test with Bomberman. Like that's how create. We probably have a Bomberman Love Tester game in here somewhere. What the uh, hell one of those things about? where you? I'm serious. It's like an arm wrestling machine. Yes, oh, and it tells you okay. if you're in love or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Um, there's Bomberman Wars, which was a Japanese-only tactical role-playing game featuring the Bomberman cast. There's, um, don't forget Robo Warrior, that game we played just a while ago. Like, that's a Bomberman game. Um, Bomberman Panic Bomber, which is like Puyo Puyo meets Tetris. Uh, then there's the Bomberman Land games, which are like, this kind of like regular Bomberman game, so I don't know why they get their own section on the wiki. Uh, and then there's also like Bomberman Act Zero, which was like a reboot, a gritty reboot of oh, Bomberman in, I did, I did in like see a 2012. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. And then there's a whole clone section too of just cloned bo- Bomberman games that were made by other companies, uh, mostly Chinese, but like that are just taking the same Bomberman thing and just removing him. But the idea of explosions and grids still being, like, the main thing you play as. I can't believe so many people find this kind of game so satisfying that they would go on to make 200 versions of it. (laughs) Yeah, when you put it that way, I mean, it it is, yeah, like, I would not have expected that level of of a future for Bomberman from this game. But, uh, But I don't know, I mean, I guess it was just, it just was like the perfect uh like job interview where it was like okay you we've you've shown us that you're you're okay you're good we you know you're kind of fun and then it's like all right let's see what you can do now really um cuz what was the game i am already forgetting what was the game we just played a few weeks ago that was the same robo warrior robo warrior that uh wasn't fun <laughs> no was it robo warrior is that one I'm thinking yeah. of Oh, well, I thought you were talking about with bomberman in in the No yeah, no there's yeah. there's another where you're placing bombs through through a bunch of solid objects. It, yeah, yeah Robo it was Robo Warrior. Wow, I okay. I, I didn't even think I was on the Robo Warrior episode. <laughs> you probably but either weren't. way. Yeah, oh, you no, probably you weren't. Oh. I wasn't. Then there was another game that we you played were right, that I was though. on. It wasn't fun. Okay, well, either way, there's another game that we played recently that I was on. I'll look it up in a minute when I'm done talking, and I'll chime back in. But uh, that was not fun, and it was doing like the same things. It just I don't know. It just didn't it just didn't hit the elements right and and it i didn't enjoy it at all and this game i did enjoy so i maybe uh like i said they just were able to keep building on that it's not really an answer to your question because <laughs> i just don't know but uh, I, I, it's pac-man pac-man does the same goddamn thing every time but pac-man is an icon everyone can doesn't get sick of pac- pac-man they they will go and play pac-man uh it's it's a I think that's sort of a a good analogy for that. I think that going along with Pac-Man, this game is very approachable. It's really easy to not have any idea what you're doing and then start playing it and then understand what the point is. And I think that maybe that's where it gets so much like, that's why it gets so many spin-offs because so many people can immediately understand how to play. There's not like a whole lot of skill in the very beginning that you need. That's fair. That's definitely true. And to be honest, I think 
you know, anybody in today's gaming sphere that knows Bomberman knows that what actually made these games really successful is the multiplayer component, which is not present in, in this game, but became a huge thing of like four player, five player, seven player, eight player, ten player Bomberman. Like there is on the Sega Saturn, Saturn Bomberman, which is a ten player Bomberman game. And another game that's just crazy, Bomberman uh, had the first ever HD video game in 1993. Uh, it came out only in like a, on a special computer in Japan that they brought to like special events, but it was played on um, on a 16 by 9 TV and had like a huge um, like a huge scope to it. Everything was very tiny on screen, and you were just only Bomberman versus other Bomberman. Like there were no enemies on the screen, and you were just like. Kind of like, it looked like Minesweeper. You're just blowing away blocks, <laughs> trying to ultimately, like, create holes for other players uh, to be, like, trapped into your uh, your plots or whatever. So it's, like, really funny that the game would start off as a single-player game, but then explode into this multiplayer madness that I think most people are familiar with Bomberman for now. I think you play any of the Bomberman games after the first, maybe two or three and they all have this multiplayer component, which it's become famous for. I could see how that would be really fun, too, because you're actually going up against somebody who has, you know... like A brain. A, a brain, but also... Yeah, a brain is actually what I wanted to say, so thanks for saying that. You're welcome. But, like, you know, just, like, even some kind of attack against you, you know? A lot of the enemies in the screen, it's like, just don't walk into them. Just, <laughs> just walk away when you see them, and you'll be fine. It's really strange... <laughs> Bomberman's a huge franchise, so we're not going to cover all these games and sequels and spinoffs, but we will try to cover a lot of it in Bomberman 2 on the NES in 1993. Who is excited for Bomberman 2? <laughs> Probably. Well, I am now. Like 35. Your enthusiasm has convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> Might be 40. So, yeah, well, it'll be a long time. Yeah. Uh, I did want to talk about uh, three Bomberman games that I played. And that is Bomberman 93 for the TurboGrafx-16. It was, that was the first one in the line that I was playing where it actually started to feel more fun. There was a lot of, it was a lot of colors to it. Uh, the game moved a lot faster. Uh, the actual like layouts of the levels changed, which was nice. And that's how I expected my Bomberman to be. So this is Bomberman 93 is where I would suggest is like the entry point. But then I played Bomberman 94 and Bomberman 94 is just as good, actually better, than Bomberman 93. And now you can ride around on animals, like kangaroos and stuff like that, while you're Bomberman, and destroy more than just, like, blocks. You destroy, um, flowers are the are the blocks in certain levels, um, fire, like, can, cans on fire are another one, like, it's just interesting that they finally, like, said, well, what if you did other things and other when did bricks? this come out? <laughs> yeah, it's funny that... <laughs> Bomberman ninety four. So okay, that that sounds like the nineties. Funny it took him that long to get to to get the idea that like there are other things other than bricks that can be blown. What about up. the roller skates? So was it? So you're hopping in a kangaroo pouch, I assume. That's how you travel. Well, you just go faster. That's all. But do you like it, it, if I'm in a kangaroo pouch and it's hopping me along while I'm tossing bombs out of it? Like, do I keep my roller skates on? That seems like it'd be painful. I don't Wait, think are you're you ever in the kangaroo pouch or are you riding the kangaroo? You're riding All right, the kangaroo. That's absurd. You're not in the pouch. So I guess one <laughs> one question I invention is this looks like a is this like a Madden thing? Like you got Bomberman ninety four. Is there always like a Bomberman date? 
Bomberman no. 2K11? Yeah. That's just for those two Bomberman games, actually, believe it or not. And then it gets into the Super Bomberman series, which was uh, all on the Super Nintendo or the Super Famicom. Uh, some of them didn't come to the Super Nintendo. But Super Bomberman 1 uh, has four-player multi-tap support and um, not really an improvement over Bomberman 94, so I didn't feel like mentioning it. But Super Bomberman 2, now that is my jam, okay? This is the one I played the most of by far. Um, Two is the one that's really worth talking about because it's like there's tons of power-ups now. It's, it is just pure chaos. There are boss fights and interesting boss fights at that too, not just like bomb the other enemy uh, in a grid-like fashion. Like they get into mechs and then you have to like dodge their patterns and lay out bombs, but then like watch out because they have bombs too. Very, very cool. Uh, and there's also like uh, steps and stairs and different like layers to the uh to the levels so you actually have to think about like where you are there's tnt that like blows up different puzzle aspects of it so you have to like think about like all right if i blow up the tnt here i'm gonna destroy a bunch of um a bunch of land or a bunch of um my power-ups and stuff like that so it's a lot more thoughtful i thought that was really cool so i had to play super Super bomberman 2 i was like all right i'll try three four and five and it was just shocking how bad five was Five was actually like Super Bomberman one again. I was like, why? Why did they go back like that? But I guess they ran out of time to develop those games and just said, yeah, whatever. We could release. That's this. more than likely how it went down. So that's my experience playing Bomberman all day. Uh, I highly recommend everybody at least check out a few Bomberman games because there's a lot of them. You can't go wrong, right? Don't play Bomberman Act Zero though because there was no reason for a gritty reboot <laughs> of Bomberman. And I mean gritty, like the edge is unreal. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Anyway, we've talked a lot about Bomberman. Now we have to decide if it will be our very first game of 1989 on the Essential Games list. So I want to tell you that I looked up that game I was talking about. And it was? It was, uh, it was Robo Warrior. <laughs> yeah, we thought so. <laughs> I don't know why I thought I wasn't on that episode. I looked back, though, the one before that was Rampage, which I wasn't on, but... So that was what I was thinking of. But Robo Warrior was so unmemorable that I didn't even remember the name of it. Yeah, so let's let's roll that music again. New Year, same list, but not really because we did remove some last episode. So if you want to know what the latest Essential Games list is, um, it'd be great if we had a website, but we don't. So instead, (laughs) listen to every single episode and make like a... I don't know, add a, have a notebook where you write down the games that become essential, and that's the best way to keep track. It's almost as if, like, all these social media outlets that we have, we should probably, like, write it down somewhere. But... That's a great idea, Sean. So just for this week only, I will post an image <laughs> of every essential game. Nice. Anyway, it's time to talk about if Bomberman's going to be on that image. So, Sam, give me your thoughts. I think this is a fun game. It's certainly a classic game. We've heard a lot about it. Um, it's, you know, we've, we've talked about it. It's, it's a good time, but it's fairly simple also. And I think that this is a definite play it, but for me, it's just not quite essential. Fair enough. Uh, Joe, your thoughts. Yeah, I'm kind of in like the exact same place. I I did think it was fun. I did have a good time, but it's really not something that I think if I'm being honest with myself, I don't think I would seek it out ever to play so i feel like it's like a play it if you have if you have access to it yes play it it's it's great but like i 
I'm not. I'm not even sure I'd say go out of your way to play it. I, I, I think it was. You won't regret it, but definitely not essential. Sean, that's really disappointing uh, because I was going all out. I was gonna. I was gonna <laughs> hit hit the ground running and and vote this game essential. I'm still gonna do that at least, you know, for posterity's sake because. I, I really, because since I haven't been exposed to any future Bombermans, I can't use the excuse of, like, play this one instead, and, like, it's already been done, and, you know, there are better versions. Like, so I don't really have that in my back pocket. So I, I, I just had a, it was a joy to play this game. I really appreciated the very quickly escalating intensity of the game. Um, and that, like, you know, that ever... Uh, elusive feeling of of power that you you get over the course of the game uh sort of in a like gradius on on speed um so yeah i mean i my vote would have it is essential it just won't make just won't matter because you've been yes you've already been outvoted and i will say in, in defense of bomberman in defense of joe and sam and in defense of sean that this is a this is a game that I think made sense as the very first Bomberman entry. So maybe it made even more sense when it first came out in 83 or whatever. I was hard on this game for like launching a franchise, but I was only saying that because of like the ridiculous nature of the game, like just the design ideas of like this guy plants bombs and destroys things. Like I just think that's crazy. But video games often are are crazy. Uh maybe they're a little less uh, maybe they're more grounded now, but I think Bomberman has all the makings of a good video game. I just can't, like, I can't put this on the essential games list because now I have gone and explored, and I will say that multiplayer Bomberman is the future of Bomberman, and that I think this is a nice start, but this is, uh, this is, this is almost like, you know, we get into this a lot with franchises where it's like, yeah, this is Bomberman. Like, ultimately, every game just iterates on the ideas that were laid out here. And that's true. Like, even the Super Bomberman 2 that I was talking about that I fell in love with today, like, that is really just Bomberman again, but they thought of, like, some new power-ups and they had better graphics. Like, uh, you know, so they were able to make a more fun game. However, every Super Mario Brothers game after Super Mario Brothers 1 is still just kind of basing itself around the design philosophies of Super Mario Bros. 1, but that first game feels really good. I can't say that Bomberman feels really good after going to these future games. And for that reason, I can't put it on the essential games list because for me, the thing that represents more than just NES games. But there's only NES games on it. Correct, because when we get to all the other consoles... We'll start adding those consoles <laughs> games as well. We'll start doing like ten games a week. Okay, we'll post Monday eight a.m. Don't Tuesday, promise these six p.m. Do Wednesday. Yeah, we'll do it because you know why? Because we have a great set of listeners who have listened to one hundred and fifty something episodes now. Uh, maybe maybe almost one hundred sixty. We're not going to do anything special for that, but maybe maybe we will. Uh, I just got the official tally. It's 155 episodes, plus four specials, and a bunch of unreleased Gaiden episodes uh, for um, Japanese games that we once recorded and haven't released. So if you want to hear some of that stuff, let us know on Twitter. Be like, hey, I want unreleased Japanese episodes on my 
podcast I'm feed. I'm going to leak them. Yeah, well, <laughs> you could try to leak them, but ultimately they're going to come out. It's kind of like yeah, Think about it like Pokemon cards, right? Everybody had at least one Japanese Pokemon card, but you don't remember how you got it. Like how did you get that Japanese Pokemon card? You didn't you didn't import it. You didn't order it online. Like it just kind of all of a sudden you checked your binder one day and you're like, "Oh, this look this yeah, back looks different." And that's what you're actually freaking yeah. me out right now. That's that's actually very. It's accurate. true. It happens all the time, and that's ultimately what's going to happen with these episodes. One day you're going to check your feed and be like, "Wait a minute, I didn't change my region to Japan," <laughs> and they're just going to be there. So we're all going to uh, be speaking Japanese inexplicably. <laughs> yeah. Please let us know on Twitter at NostalgiaCast if you want to hear those episodes or if you listen to this episode and have thoughts about Bomberman because often enough, people have thoughts about these games and they usually tell us we're wrong. So we want to hear how wrong we were. But not Sean. Don't tell him how wrong he was because he thinks he's right. I'm always right. Anyway, next week we got a special Sesame Street 123 episode for you. <laughs> if there's not enough proof that we are going to play every single NES game, look no further than Sesame Street 123, <laughs> developed by Rare. So I'm expecting some Big Bird meets Donkey Kong Country style game. I don't know about the rest of you guys. I can't wait. These are the games I live for. I'm Michael Esposito. You can find me at Esposito Film on Twitter, and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>